Let us pray. Help us to lift up our heads, O God, to be mindful of the world into which you set us and to be mindful of the word into which you call us. Silence in us any voice but your own and speak your truth and your power for Christ's sake. Amen. Friends, our epistle lesson this morning comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippian church, beginning at the fifth verse of the second chapter. Let us hear God's word. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We do not know the weather conditions of that day some 2,000 years ago. The day of the parade we have commemorated on this Palm Sunday, there was no weather channel present, we do not know. But we do know yesterday's weather. When another parade was held just a few blocks down the street from here, it was snowy and muddy. It was cold in the sun and colder in the shade with absolutely beautiful clear blue skies. We do not know the exact nature of the crowd at that earlier parade. Mark's Gospel uses the phrase, many people, was that 50 or 100 or 1,000 or 5,000? Estimates yesterday were about 5,000 people. The earlier parade likely had little organization to it, though it did bring with it some very specific and complex and downright puzzling instructions regarding Jesus' mode of transportation. Yesterday's parade seemed very well organized by the young people of our community, from speakers to parade route to traffic control. They were different events to be sure. A ragtag entrance by Jesus into Jerusalem with his followers and onlookers, and yesterday, a March for Our Lives event seeking action on gun violence, coinciding with hundreds of events around the country, very different to be sure. And yet, biblical 
scholars like to make up fancy terms for things. Here is one such term, messianic expectation. Messianic expectation. What did the people expect in a Messiah? What did they hope for? What did they desire? What did they need? That question kept coming to my mind yesterday, knowing that today was coming. What was the crowd expecting yesterday? What were all those beautiful young people, these extraordinary young people with clarity of purpose and intent, what were they expecting? All along I've been reading skeptical comments about their intentions and their approach. How can a bunch of young people affect change, I've been reading. Perhaps you have as well. I must say I was inspired, and we shall see. Just as people cheering for Jesus one day and turning on him the next were cynical and skeptical about his ability to make a difference. But now we know. Now, I don't mean to make a direct comparison between Palm Sunday and yesterday. Those those connections will be made as time unfolds. But I do remain interested in the question about expectations, expectations then and expectations now. What do we need, and how is that different from what we expect? And how is what we think we need different from what we really need? And even now, as we think about Jesus today, we know that it is a complex and multi-dimensional understanding, and that's okay. We're called to look at all of the facets of Jesus, clearly and carefully. And we're called to look as well in the mirror, look at our own expectations. Dismiss the ones that aren't appropriate in order to embrace what Jesus does offer. So some, then, wanted a military leader. They wanted someone to organize the people in order to overthrow their Roman occupiers. There is, of course, a military thread in the biblical story, so, the, so that military expectation is not totally out of bounds. Still look what happens. Jesus rides into town on a colt, on a donkey, not a war horse and a chariot. The parade included no tanks, no weapons of any kind, only people like you and me waving our clothing, waving palm branches, so no military messiah. Others, then, wanted a religious messiah. And of course they got one, but not the kind they were expecting. Organized religion needed cleaning up. Some wanted a messiah to come in and whip things into shape, clean house, dump the, dump the theological and liturgical riffraff. And there is, of course, that thread in the biblical story as well. So that expectation also was not entirely misplaced. But no religious Messiah, or at least a Messiah overly concerned about proper religious practices. What they got, despite their expectations, or perhaps because of their expectations, was a blessing. A blessing. 
Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You've just shared those words. That's what they got. That's what we get. Whatever our expectations, what we receive this day is consistent with the blessing we've been receiving all along from Jesus. A blessing that takes on a particular human form. What comes into town, humbly, is one who has healed those who others wouldn't even pay attention to. What comes into town, humbly, is one who eats with those polite society shuns. What comes into town, humbly, is one who teaches with authority and lives that authority out by encountering the poor and the outcasts, women, children, Samaritans, tax collectors. The conventional messianic expectations go right out the window when this one comes humbly into town. And that is the blessing. That is the gift we are called to steward, to live with those values, to encounter people as he did, to challenge the things he challenged, to engage in the strange alternative mathematics of faith. When to die is to gain, when to lose life is to save life, When to give everything away is to receive in absolute abundance. That is the blessing. Last night, as Loyola of Chicago was putting the finishing touches on another Cinderella win, with Sister Jean smiling broadly at the whole thing, a reporter asked the Loyola coach how he felt. He used the word blessing three times in two sentences. Now I listen carefully for such things because I never ever want to equate athletic victory with divine favor. But the coach, Porter Rosen, didn't say that. He spoke of what a blessing simply this opportunity was, the blessing his players were. He spoke of being blessed by mentors along the way, including those who picked him up after he had been fired from a previous coaching job. That I can relate to, that understanding of blessing. And this kind of blessing. Some of you know my father many years ago was in a very serious car accident. He experienced what we now call traumatic brain injury. We first weren't sure that he would survive and later what the what the nature of his recovery would be. Now, while never complete, his recovery proceeded well over the decades, but I remember just after it happened, a year or two in, he was the guest preacher at a little church somewhere in central Ohio. I accompanied him as I did from time to time. And at the end of the sermon, he accessed from somewhere deep in his memory banks, this morning's reading from Philippians. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, he said. And then word for word, line for line, everything that followed by heart, 
from the heart. Brain injury be damned. That's a blessing, I thought. And it's a testimony to something. But it's the words themselves that he remembered that framed for us what our messianic expectation should be. It's Paul, so of course it's complex, highly theological, the two natures of Jesus and everything. But it's also extremely clear, leaving no room for misguided or misplaced expectations. The blessing of this Messiah, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, is service, is humility, is following the call of God even to the point of death. That is where the strange, imponderable calculation of faith takes over, that only at that point, Jesus' full and total humanity do we understand the true depth of the power of God's love? Brian Epperly writes that Palm Sunday is about Jesus and us. It portrays the fickleness of fame and popularity. It presents to us our own spiritual fickleness and inability to commit ourselves fully to God's way, especially in times of conflict. Epperly writes, the roller coaster of Holy Week begins with celebration and the expectation of a new age emerging. Hosanna carries the subtext, throw the rascals out and install a new political and religious order. That's not Jesus' mission. It may not be ours as well. Then he says, while we might politic for transformed economic, immigration, environmental, and foreign policy, we we must be both in but not of these conflicts. Jesus has strong beliefs, and they will take him to the cross. But he refused to be entangled in political partisanship or polarization. God's way must embrace celebrants and mourners, liberals and conservatives, quietists and activists. We don't need to emulate media and political polarization and vilifying of opponents to promote God's realm. Melinda Quivick, too, writes about messianic expectation of two unbalanced expressions of the way of Christ, triumphalism and excessive humility. The image of Christ is not simply one or the other, she says. The image is not only an example of goodness to be imitated, nor is it simply an image of taking charge as ruler. The image does not give us either a pitiable loser or superman. The image is both portraits because the story is true. The one sent to be our savior became empty in order to be given the highest name. Friends, as we gather today, this Palm Sunday, as we gather again and again this week in this place and in other places, the Spirit is inviting us to give some thought to this question. Who is the Messiah we expect? And how does that expectation align or not? with what we experience in the story itself or in our own life journey. 
If the alignment is too perfect, then something might not be quite right about our understanding. So pay attention to the disconnects. Pay attention to the discomforts. Pay attention as you wave palm branches, as you receive bread and cup Thursday evening, as you say and pray and wonder, were you there? Pay attention to what you expect and what you experience. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and that is good news, even when it transforms all our expectations and turns the world upside down, delivering us from death to life eternal. Amen.